Do you ever wonder if the behavior that another person is doing is a gaslighting behavior or something else? Many of the old definitions of gaslighting are vague and as a result have generated a lot of confusion and mislabeling. Sometimes people are doing gaslighting behaviors, but sometimes they're just being an asshole. (laughs) In this episode, I'll give you some beginning tips to help you sort out what is what. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. And if you missed it last week, I'm running a special until January 31st, where you can get 50% off my Deconstructing Gaslighting Awareness video course by using the code SEASON2POD. My course can be found on my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com, and I'll have the link to the course and the coupon in my show notes. So last week on the pod, I talked about my new definition and how my perspective about gaslighting got me blacklisted. And hopefully for everyone, the main takeaway was how my definition is expansive and it includes more people. And this is a crucial bit that gaslighting can be gaslighting both when someone is intentionally doing it and when they don't realize they're doing it. And so this week I wanted to expand on understanding my perspective of gaslighting and how that can really help us. And so this week we're going to talk about what it takes for something to be a gaslighting experience versus when it's just the person is being a straight up asshole. So let's go back to looking at my definition. And my definition is when one person or a group of people through covert behaviors convinces another person that what they perceive, believe, think, or feel is inaccurate or invalid. So in that definition, what you find is two things, a behavior that has to be done a very specific type of behavior, and an experience that has to happen because of that behavior. And let's unpack that a little bit. The behavior has to be covert. Covert just really means hidden. And in my experience, in my research, and my work with my clients, what I've come to find is that the gaslighter doesn't have to be aware that what they're doing is a covert behavior. And I'm going to give you two reasons of the many that I unpack in my video series of how that can be. How can a person be doing covert behaviors and they're not aware that they're doing covert behaviors? Well, one, it could be a learned behavior. So if someone experiences in their family of origin, for example, a covert behavior that their parents do either to each other or to them, that normalizes that behavior. So they may have never been alerted to the fact that what they are doing is a covert, hidden, gaslighting behavior. That's one way. The other way is that the response that is a gaslighting, covert response is a defense mechanism that has been built up over years and years and years to shame and or fear. So those are two ways how someone could be doing gaslighting behavior a covert behavior and not know it. Now, a lot of gaslighters do know, but a lot also don't. 
until they do. And then they need to work to change it, right? That's a different conversation. We're not talking about the work that has to be done. We're just explaining how it can happen. Okay. So that's the covert behavior. And the second part of it, the experience has to be that the person that is the victim or the gaslightee has to be convinced and convinced of what? That what they feel, believe, think, or feel is inaccurate or invalid. But let's let's focus in and zoom in on that word convinced, right? So what that means or how that works is that over time, what happens within the victim, the gas ID, is that they take on the other person's perceptions, beliefs, thoughts, or feelings as their own, even though they're not, right? So their authentic thoughts, feelings, beliefs, perceptions would not line up with what they are now operating from. They're now operating from a belief, thought, feeling, perception, because they've been convinced that's what it is, right? Does that make sense? So based on that understanding, there are two ways that something is not gaslighting that I see is often being mistaken for it. And why that's important is because we need to name things accurately to know how to deal with them accurately. So if we're calling something gaslighting that's not gaslighting, we're not going to be addressing it properly. Or if something's happening that is gaslighting and we're calling it something else or we're missing it, we're not being able to address it properly, right? So we want to be able to name things accurately. Okay, so again, this is two ways that something that is not gaslighting is mistaken for. And the first one is when the intended victim doesn't bend, okay? They don't take on what the gaslighting person is trying to convince them of. This is important because it has to do with where we find our power and our agency. And I'm going to talk about that in next week's podcast episode. Right. So that's one way. The second way is when the behavior of the offender, if you will, what they're doing, while maybe cruel, mean, insensitive, abusive, et cetera, it's not covert. So therefore, it's not a gaslighting behavior. They're just being an asshole. Okay. So I'm going to give you a situation. And I'm going to give it to you three different ways to help you see how one is a gaslighting experience, one reflects where the gaslighting or the victim, if you will, doesn't bend, and one reflects someone who's not a gaslighter, they're an asshole. Okay, so let me, I'm going to laugh every time I say that because I just think it's funny. Um, so let's go through them. The story is the same for each situation, and then we'll unpack the differences that create the different results. Okay. So the first one is where gaslighting does happen. So I'm not all about stereotypes or, you know, gender specific things or assigning certain behaviors to certain genders and all that kind of thing. But for the sake of this conversation, we're going to use the example of a heterosexual couple where the man is the gaslighter. Okay. Now across all three scenarios. So the setting, if you will, is this couple, intimate partnership, is out to eat for dinner. And this beautiful server walks by and the man objectifies her, clearly objectifies her. And 
the woman protests. She's like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, first of all, she's a person. Don't objectify her like that. Second of all, I'm right here. That hurts. That doesn't feel good. It makes me feel less than all of those types of things, right? And the gaslighter responds, I didn't do that. You're imagining things. You're just insecure and you're jealous. I can't believe that you would think I'd do something like that. So what happens inside the victim is that she focuses on the half truth that she does struggle with insecurities. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I know a woman who doesn't, right? This, so there is a half truth there. She does struggle with insecurities, but she focuses on that. And because of that, she doubts that her observations about what was happening were accurate and that her gut was spot on. She doubts those things. And so she discards her truth and she takes on the gaslighter's perspective. Now that happens pretty quickly. So she then responds, I'm sorry for doubting you. I wish I wasn't so insecure. She took on the blame, which was what the gaslighter, whether they knew it or not, was intending to do. They didn't want to be called out for doing what they did. They wanted to dodge taking responsibility for doing what they did, right? So they put the blame on the other person. That's called Darvo. Let's go on to scenario number two, where gaslighting does not happen, not because the guy didn't try, but because the victim didn't bend. So it starts out the same, guy objectifies, the woman protests, the guy says all the gaslighting things like, this isn't about me, this is you, you're insecure, all the things. But this time, the victim thinks, you know, I may struggle with insecurities, but I know what I saw and I trust my gut. And you know what? Even if I was wrong, which I don't think I am, but even if I was, this is not how someone who loves and cares about me would respond. This is not okay with me. So in that situation, she did not discard her truth, what she knew to be true, what she believed to be true was her observations and her gut. What she knew to be true was that no matter if it was about her or him, his response was not okay. Right? So that's a huge difference. And then let's look at the third one. So in this scenario, he objectifies her, she protests, but he responds differently here. He says, so what if I was objectifying her? There are lots of people more attractive than you. And when I notice them, I'm going to look. If you don't like it, then leave. What's missing is any covert behavior. There's no lying, no manipulation, no redirection. Being an asshole, <laughs> no covert behaviors. This does make me think of the Maya Angelou quote, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Now, one of the things I do want to point out about the third scenario, while the guy didn't do any gaslighting behaviors, if the victim had brought into the relationship any self-gaslighting issues, so for example, if they had a family of origin or maybe in a previous relationship where they had been gaslit and internalized beliefs about 
taking responsibility for other people's feelings, right? Like that can happen if you're told you're too much, if you're told you're just insecure, if you're any of these things, if those things go unidentified, we will likely carry them into the next relationship. And why that is important and connects to this scenario is because even though he didn't do gaslighting behaviors, he was just a straight up asshole that can cause us to self gaslight and make concessions. People often ask, how can people stay with abusers? Well, it's likely because of the self gaslighting that originated from other people gaslighting us. We end up making concessions. Oh, they're right. All men do this or whatever the self gaslighting things that we might say. And then take on that I shouldn't complain and I should just suck it up and be okay with it because I don't want to leave or whatever, right? So that's important to understand. And we spend quite a bit of time in my empowerment program. So it's different than my video course. This is now talking about my empowerment program, unpacking how and why we're vulnerable to gaslighting so that we heal those things. We identify them and we heal them and then we don't carry them into other relationships. But for today, let's take this into what our top takeaways can be from just understanding what does it take for something to be a gaslighting experience. So much of what happens with gaslighting results in confusion and self-doubt. One of, if not the best ways to combat this is through information and understanding. These two things help get us back into a place of authentic power more quickly than almost anything else. And with that being said, I propose a top takeaway is that the more you know and understand about gaslighting, the less likely you are to get sucked into gaslighting experiences. So ask yourself, what are my resources? What are my ways that I can learn more about and understand gaslighting? whether that's conferences, I'm speaking at two in January, whether that's going through my course, my program, reading a book. There are a few books out there. Um, I've only reviewed one of them and it's old. Um, what are your ways that you can learn and understand more about gaslighting? Number two, reflecting on the second example I gave where the woman didn't bend, I suggest using this question or one like it when you are feeling confused or feeling like you're taking on blame that you shouldn't be, that you're, that you're feeling self-doubt. This question, whether or not I'm 100% correct in my thoughts, beliefs, perspectives, how would a loving, caring, thoughtful partner, friend, parent respond? More often than not, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about how we treat each other within that right and wrongness, right? That's the most important thing. And then lastly, I propose a takeaway could be a mantra for self-validation and to get grounded in truth. And that truth is whether my person is gaslighting me or just being an asshole, this behavior is not okay. I deserve to be loved well. As I wrap up today, I wanted to remind you that if you want to understand more about the things I've been talking about in my podcast this month, go purchase my Deconstructing Gaslighting Awareness video series. It's just $22.50 and you can get immediate access from my website. And through the month of January, you can get it at 50% off. Use the promo code SEASON2POD. And again, that can be found on my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com. And again, I'll have the link and the coupon code in the show notes. 
I would love for you to follow me on your preferred social media platform. And I actually really love engagement too. So you can comment and I'll comment back, ask questions. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Sarah Morales coaching. And I'm on TikTok as at sassy Sarah deconstructs. I haven't been very active on there in a while, but I plan to be getting more active on TikTok again fairly soon. I will have the links in my show notes. Thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could definitely benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. It helps the algorithms and whatnot things that gets in front of more people. Additionally, if you can think of one person in particular who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, you may have crashed and burned, been broken hurt, but damn it, you're a phoenix and you're rising again. I think it's time we fly. And now, Phoenix by Katrina Stone. There's no flicker, there's no flame in you. Think we're playing in a game, dear. You and I are the same, and I need a chance to rise from the ashes. Everybody watching, everybody talking. Smoke, it only makes me smile.